Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Good theology produces in us the love of God. Good theology, seeing the cross and what Christ has done for us, makes us love Jesus more. Being convicted of our sin, even though it might be a little bit uncomfortable when we tie it to Jesus died for that sin, and what he's doing is not to condemn us, but he's bringing us into intimacy with us, makes us love him more. Life can seem to be very complex at times, can't it? Sometimes even our faith seems complex. Today, Pastor Jim will explain how the Bible encourages a simple faith and a powerful Savior. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 with part two of his message entitled, A Return to Simplicity. I don't know about you, but I personally find it terrifying. Really, I'm not exaggerating. Terrifying that people could sit under the Apostle Paul's teaching and still be deceived. That they could sit under the greatest theologian outside of Jesus the world has ever known and be seduced by the doctrine of some imposter. That any of us could be like Eve, living and walking with God, yet another theology could come along and seduce us away from the Lord. Notice the word he uses. He says, craftiness. Craftiness. So what does that tell us? It's subtle. And see, that's the danger of error. Error comes in and it doesn't just, you know, remember these are not some atheists that had come into their church. These are false teachers. Error sounds enough like truth to make it believable. That's the problem. It's just a little tweak of the truth. It's just a little bit of a different emphasis. You say, well, how serious could that be, Pastor Jim? You get up in arms about all this stuff all the time. You know, what's the deal? How serious with that? He compares it to the fall. He compares it to losing the presence of God by buying into this stuff. Eve's problem was a devotion problem. When she heard from the serpent, did God really say, I mean, Evie, you sure you heard him right? Let's take your theology just a step further. Forget about what the word of God, forget about what he said. I want to just, you know, flesh it out just a little bit. Is that really what he said? And Eve went, no, I, I guess you're right, he didn't. I don't think Eve was totally rebellious. I think Eve was just deceived. She was just seduced. What about Adam? Well, Adam was a good husband. He did whatever his wife said, so he went along for the ride, right? Yeah, they were just deceived. The Corinthian church isn't seeing how easy it is to be deceived by religious talk. And perhaps that's because religious talk takes so many different forms. One thing that's characteristic about it, this religious type talk, this spirituality, is rarely shaped by the cross of Christ. It's rarely shaped by the cross-centered life. 
Remember the Corinthian church, they wanted the benefits of the cross. Well, Jesus suffered, we shouldn't have to suffer. And if you have enough faith, you wouldn't have to suffer either. Does that sound a little bit familiar to you? You know, just recycled old lies that seem to rise up in the church periodically. You see, such religious talk tends to lack the beauty of Jesus Christ. It tends to lack the splendor of Jesus Christ. Rarely does it tell us to look at the cross and to stand in awe of the crucified king and what he has done on our behalf for his betrothed. And this religious talk is often full of substitute saviors. Even really good things, really good things. You know, after a summer of caring for people on the beach, now we're going to provide Thanksgiving meals for people. Good things, and we should be doing such things. But that is not the primary focus. The primary focus is the king. So he's calling them to return to simplicity, return to devotion to Jesus Christ and the life that pleases him. You know, being with Jesus and trying to be like Jesus, that's the life that pleases the Lord. Well, how? How do you, you say, how do you do that? Well, here the emphasis is on theological accuracy. So the Jesus we say loves us And the Jesus we say that we love is the same Jesus that we find in the pages of the Bible. Not some other Jesus where one aspect him is only emphasized over another. Good theology produces in us the love of God. Good theology, seeing the cross and what Christ has done for us makes us love Jesus more. Being convicted of our sin even though it might be a little bit uncomfortable when we tie it to Jesus died for that sin and what he's doing is not to condemn us, but he's bringing us into intimacy with us, makes us love him more. Good theology combined with a love of Jesus Christ and understanding his love for you produces an affection for Jesus Christ and that rips down strongholds. That rips up the weeds of doubt. And good theology will also prevent us from being taken in by what he says here in verse four, another Jesus, a different spirit or a different gospel. Galatians chapter one, six through eight, the apostle Paul says this, different type of people over in Galatia. The people in Galatia seem to be much more legalistic, all kinds of rules. The people in Corinth are much more liberal. We can live however we want. We're gonna see that as we go further in the book. Galatians 1, 6 through 8, he says, I marvel, he writes to the churches in the area of Galatia. So this kind of stuff is all over the place. What does he marvel about? That you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. Isn't that interesting? It's not some other, just another way of looking at it. He's saying that's not what it is. It's no gospel at all. This is no gospel at all. It's not a different way. Oh, we've come up with a new way to share the good news with people in this new generation. The Apostle Paul would say, that's a bunch of bunk. That's a bunch of baloney. Again, verse 7, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They are distorting it. 
verse 8. But even if we, I love this verse, even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. The Apostle Paul doing what any good pastor does. He says, let me tell you, when I go off, don't listen to me. If I go into those newfangled things, don't bother with me anymore. Some of you have heard of an author and blogger, young guy, works for Lifeway by the name of Trevin Wax. And he identifies six false gospels today. I sat with his list and came up with about 30 more. But there's so much overlap in a lot of them. So here's his six, six false gospels. Number one, the therapeutic gospel. The therapeutic gospel. That's sort of the life coaching thing we have going on. Big up here. Really big up here. And what does it do? It downplays sin and focuses on you reaching your fullest potential. It's almost like life coaching. It's almost like life coaching. Well, you know, we'll have a message on exercising and diet and, and this stuff's all over the place. It's all over the place. A second one is the judgmentless gospel. Boy, that, that is really all over the place too. Sometimes you go on a church's website and they'll review it and the people go, love this place, never any judgment or talking about sin. Stay away. <laughs> Stay away. Number three, the moralist gospel. Well, let's just be good people. Let's just do good things. God will be happy with us. Of course, if we've said many times before, if you go to heaven by being a good person, why did God need to bludgeon his son on a bloody cross? The quietest gospel. Let's just lock ourselves in a room, meditate and pray and do nothing. The opposite is the activist gospel. Forget you people. <laughs> We're going to just go out and do everything. Very popular one around here, the sixth one, the churchless gospel. I don't need to belong to a church to follow Jesus when most of the New Testament outside of the gospels is written to the church how to follow Jesus together. We might add the health and wealth gospel, the liberal gospel, the Jesus we want gospel. I was one time on an outreach in New York City, and, and this woman came up to us, and we were talking about Jesus. By the way, Pastor Frank, I think you let it. <laughs> and this woman came to a group of us and said, you know, Jesus just wanted peace. And everybody just went along with her. And I was a brand new Christian. I said, not in the Bible I read. <laughs> not in the Bible I read. That's not the Jesus I read about. Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. Again, he says the end of verse 4, you may well put up with it. You tolerate the intolerable. Now, why is it so intolerable? Well, it's wrong, and there's an easy way to tell it's wrong, and it's clear, as we'll see as we go on, as we said, the distortions in the Corinthian church are producing a church and converts that don't desire to live the cross-centered life. You can tell a lot about what's being preached in a church by the lives of the people who go to that church. And the only safeguard for the betrothed not to be deceived, not to be seduced, is to return to the biblical Jesus as we await his return. Well, number three, the Corinthian church must see that they are betrothed. They must see that they've been deceived and seduced. Number three, they must see you have been entertained. This is very, very serious. 
I really actually wanted to preach on verse 3 because it meant so much to me, but I also considered another sermon on just verse 5 and 6. I'll try not to give it to you this morning, but we'll just hit on some of the highlights of it. Verse 5, for I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Some of you have heard us say super apostles. Some people think this is talking about Peter and the rest of the gang. I disagree because this whole section is about these false apostles. Probably what they said about him. They probably said he was inferior. Ah, he's nothing, no big shakes. He's nothing. We're going to see in a minute. You know, tradition says he wasn't such a good looking guy. Sorry, ladies. And well, we know he admits he's not the speaker that some of these other guys are. And he says, verse six, he says, even though I am untrained in speech. The Greeks placed a big emphasis on being trained in, being, in public oration, being trained how to speak, yet I am not in knowledge. So he says, I know I'm untrained in speech, but I am not untrained in knowledge. I am not untrained in the knowledge of God. Well, because who taught him? The Lord himself. That's why we cherish his words so much. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Basically saying, listen, I was clear on this stuff when I was with you. I might not be flashy, but what I lacked in performance, I had in clarity. I had in simplicity. You didn't leave my speaking saying, wow, what a speaker. You left thinking, what a savior. To the Greeks, presentation was more valuable than content. Time to make some enemies. And the same is true in many parts of the church in America, and it is growing like wildfire. This is what's growing right now. We have moved into a season of spiritual entertainment. Now, some debate, was the Apostle Paul a terrible speaker? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. He was very effective. I mean, people either turned to Jesus or they mugged him. I mean, it's like, <laughs> that's effective. Most people today, I speak to people like, oh, is he almost done? <laughs> so he just, he's just saying, listen, I wasn't polished. I wasn't trying to be clever. And another thing that was hard about him was he was so content rich he was so full of the knowledge of God that you really probably had to follow him very closely. I mean, we read one of his letters and we're like, oh, that was great, you know, 56 weeks in that letter. <laughs> Just, and I would go back and read it in my devotion time the next year and I'm like, miss that, miss that, skip that, skip that, miss that. So you had to follow him closely. And let's be honest, if you don't know about this, good for you. So many of America's most famous pastors right now, so many of the speakers, the pastors in New Jersey are theologically empty and doctrinally deficient. The strategy is to speak to people like they're still in high school. Oh, that's cool, man. Woohoo, you stay in youth group the rest of your life. <laughs> in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul said that he rejected the wisdom of man. That's what, that's what this type of entertainment is. He rejected the wisdom of man so their faith would be in the power of God. 
So how do we pull that into 2 Corinthians? We would say he rejected putting on a show. He doesn't want to do that. And the Corinthian church is now starting to buy into the show. And the apostle would say the show, the false gospels, the adapting, we're going to talk about in a second, adapting the message to your audience. I'm not saying you don't talk, so you're, you don't talk above your audience, but you can't change the gospel to what your audience wants to hear and doesn't want to hear. The apostle would say that form of spiritual entertainment robs the cross of its power because the attention is now in the wrong place. The attention is now on the speaker and the attention is now on the presentation instead of on the cross. Interesting to me that it seems the Apostle Paul thinks that although the, the show reveals a lack of knowledge in the hearers, that they would listen to such stuff, it also seems, I think, he's implying that it reveals a lack of knowledge and spiritual insight on the part of the speakers. He's listening to them going, these guys really are not speaking in the power of God. These guys don't really know their Bibles very well. And I was in the car wash one time, and these people are on the television listening to this guy, this prosperity preacher. And I stood in front of the area that I said, you know, just virtually everything he's saying wrong. He doesn't even have his Bible facts right. They were like, your car's done, sir. <laughs> Perhaps the Apostle Paul is pointing out to us a new mission field. Instead of when people say, I, I go, oh, I just go to this church or that church, maybe to press them a little more to find out what it is about their church that they are latching on to. See, in entertainment, those of you in the business world know this, you adapt your product to the consumer. And the desired result is what determines what method you use. That's why you have many of the churches across America right now, they, they want good music because they know good music brings people in. So a lot of the musicians are hired professionals that don't even have to be Christian. Our philosophy here is we don't hire musicians who might be Christians. We let on the stage Christians who just happen to be musicians. In the first century, it was very similar to what the market research that many churches did in the 80s. Yes, they did market research. They went around from house to house and asked people what they wanted, if they would come back to church, if they got what they wanted. And it's just been being perfected for the last 30 or 40 years. In the first century, it was the same as it is in market research. You assess the customer's likes and dislikes, and you give them what they like. While well, the Apostle Paul just simply wanted people to understand the message. He just, he wrote these things, he taught the books of the Bible, he taught the Old Testament, and wanted to make sure that people understood. Please don't think it was different in the first century. The people didn't want to hear that they were sinners. The people didn't want to hear that they needed to come to the cross to meet the Savior who died for them and to ask him to forgive their sins. They didn't want to hear anything about suffering. The whole first part of 2 Corinthians was, see, Apostle Paul says, you know I'm God's man by how much I suffered. And they're like, no, forget that stuff. What's the result? The content of the gospel changes 
to reach the audience. Do you know what it was in the first century? It's the same that it is in many places now. The audience put the speaker on trial. That's not the way of the word of God. The word of God puts the hearers on trial. And that includes me. I feel like I'm on trial every time up here. Years ago, some of you grew up in a church where people were just adding like crazy to the gospel. Just adding to it like crazy. A lot of the stuff that's here now, is everything's always late getting here. The bad stuff starts here, right? But a lot of stuff is late getting here. And so they added on how you have to wear your hair, what you can wear, you can't wear jeans, blah, 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 blah. How you have to, you know, all these other kinds of things. I went to a church one time and, and the guy said to me, you know, next time you come back, you might want to wear a suit and tie. It was my first time there. I said, don't worry, my next time back, I will wear a suit and tie. I never went back. Now what's happening now? Now that stuff doesn't work. What do we have to do? We alter the gospel. We shave some things off the gospel to make it more appealing to the people who are poor. We tell them how to get rich. To the burbs where there's money, we tell them how to have every, get everything they want out of life. And while some churches may be growing numerically, as we see, ask anybody who goes on our outreaches, maybe the churches are growing numerically, but the people are certainly not growing spiritually. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. What did they lose? They lost the simplicity that is in Christ. What's sad? Well, a lot of churches are now pressuring their pastors to conform to bring people in the door. And for that, I owe this church a debt of gratitude because you guys don't do that to me. The false teachers in the Corinthian church trusted in audience-driven strategies using the word of God instead of proclaiming the word of God, instead of presenting the word of God in the power of the spirit of God. And I love this about the Apostle Paul. He will not conform even if people think he's a fool. He will not conform even if it means losing the Corinthian church. Why? Because it's not his church. It's Jesus' church. It's Jesus' bride. And as a church, we always have to remember we belong to Jesus Christ, not some slick, stage-strutting speaker serving up tainted word. So in the end, in this section for the Corinthian church, it's about theology. And you know it. Right thinking produces what? Right actions. Right thinking produces a right heart, right habits, right behavior, right love. And so the Apostle Paul's message is this. Come back. Come back to your Savior and your King Find hope, find true meaning, find stability, find the solid ground, find the true love of God. The message is stop looking for formulas. Stop looking for everything to be so easy. Stop always coming to, instead of worshiping God, stop coming looking for entertainment and fun. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. You say, is that fun? Well, it's a great adventure, isn't it? Meet and worship Jesus 
in the word of God. If you're a Christian, turn back to God. Trust Jesus again. If you're not a Christian, maybe you've never turned to God and put your trust in Jesus. Let today be that day. For all of us, let's return to the simplicity and walk in sincere and pure devotion to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? Changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.